Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 32nd episode of Tales of Tamriel. We've got a fun show planned for you today. We've got game news. We uh, also have lots of our tales from the Elder Scrolls Online, and we also have an awesome community spotlight lined up for you. Um, so sit tight, buckle up, and let's get this show going. First off, uh, I do want to thank uh, Griffin3538. Thank for his donation to the show. We do appreciate it greatly. It definitely helps us keep things going around here. Thank you so much. Um, next up, I guess it's time for us to introduce the cast. As always, I am your Templar-loving host, Jellos, and with me this afternoon, she who still hasn't written our one-line introductions, Thais. How are you doing this afternoon, my dear? I'm doing good. It's it's finally getting a little breezy, and I'm enjoying that since the heat really needs to end. This is uh, hoodie weather for you, right? Yes, it is, and I love it. You have a hoodie addiction, I hear. I, I do, very much, yes. Mm. Probably doesn't help that I exacerbate it because I got you a hoodie for your birthday. Yeah, it doesn't help. No, nah, but, but it's how it works. Easy gifts. Okay, um, and also joining us, the man who loves Templars now because they are awesome, Delty of Delty's Gaming. How are you today, good sir? Been grinding my whole life, doing good. <laughs> grinding my whole life. Yes, it's going to be one of those episodes, folks. <laughs> All right. Well, before we really get going on that grinding thing, let's go ahead and move on to the show notes. First up on the game news for this week, Battlemaster's Corner of the Dragon Knight Reaver. Um, yeah. So this is, uh, as they said, a Bashomatic. Oh, what does he say here? This is from Zesserus. Zesserus, is that how you pronounce his name? I would say Zorus. Zorus? All right. Yeah. Uh, if you play a Dragon Knight and love to fight off other alliances in Cyrodiil, you should take a look. So, uh, I guess, Deltia, what what do you... We were talking about this a little bit in the show, in the pre-show about this. And he says that, and this is actually pretty neat, but he describes it as a Reaver from Dark Age of Camelot. And I hated the Reavers because I played Hibernia and they were an Albion class. So he went with a Dragon Knight Reaver. Can you tell us a little bit about the build and what he's doing? Well, yeah, he's trying to build ultimate. It's somewhat normal with his flame lash and stuff. Uh, basically just having a lot of just 
stamina, really. So he can do the um, immovable and basically charge in with evasion over and over. He has some interesting um, medium armor set bonuses. It's actually, a kind of a good idea while you're blocking, doing damage, building ultimate up. Just kind of your typical Dragon Knight um, with a little bit abilities here and there just for difference sake. But it's a, it's a pretty good build. I mean, it's better than the ones they have shown earlier. I would just much rather go a little different route with heavy armor. Um, but otherwise, it's pretty good. Now, we talked a little bit the week prior about, I guess it was a previous Battlemaster Corner where they were wearing medium armor, and we were talking about it and how that wasn't really a... really a a value or a valid option why now is this one a little better well he's probably doing it so he can block and get stamina back over and over so he's just blocking a lot is all he's doing um and then plus with the um ultimate he's getting damage and damage builds your ultimate so what he's doing is blocking his stamina is not going down so he can survive then once he gets his ultimate up that's what he's using with it so He's probably using medium for the set bonuses and for the passive stamina regeneration. He's also using a bow, so he wants some crit damage. Um, I would go a different route, personally. I don't think Dragon Knights are the best medium armor wearers, especially for stealth detection. Um, if you're, you know, Nightblade, maybe a little bit better. But, you know, it's good. Hey, my medium armor really does work if you're any type of stamina user. You really just need it because they have so many benefits uh, for stamina reduction and also stamina regeneration. Uh, crit is also really nice. And I think uh, with a full set, I think you get like 21% crit off of just your armor, which is really neat. But uh, I guess he's using all the PvP Twin Sisters set. Um, yeah, five I mean... Five pieces of that. He's missing the best Dragonite ability in the game, which is Talons. It's the best ultimate regenera generator. It's the best CC. And you can Talon someone and then spam your Flame Lash to basically lock them in place. I would say, if anything, that's the number one most important thing. Plus, if you have a Restro Staff as your offhand, you can heal a lot better. Um, but it just depends on what group he's playing and the dynamics of that. Overall, it's it's yeah, it's pretty good. He did a video too, so he proves it, you know, that it works. But so I'd much rather have something like this than their previous builds where it's just, you know, two paragraphs and a picture. He actually explains his gear and the purpose of it and has a video showing his stuff. So I think it's a much better thing to display than the previous ones. Nice, nice. I actually noticed the video, but I haven't watched it yet, and I really probably should have before the show. Uh, does he? Is it just a gameplay video, or does he actually explain his build in there? Uh, I haven't watched the video either, just because I got too busy making my own videos. And... Yeah, right. <laughs> um, hmm. I, I actually do appreciate the fact that they included the video, not just, you know... As you say, just a wall of text. I, I kind of like that. I wish they kind of would go that route a little bit more. Or maybe they change the player build a little bit where they require you to do a video of it. And you just kind of do a little blurb of what you're running. Like uh, what he did, he picked his race, his uh, attributes, what kind of gear he was running, jewelry, food, and his uh, Mundus Stone. And otherwise, that was all he did. He, it would be neat if they explained it all in the video. I, would, I think more people would be... 
Um, so kind of, so kind of like my videos, except they don't feature those. Yeah, except they don't feature those. But I, I think it would be kind of neat because if even if they showed <clears throat> people playing it and they talking about the build that they're running, I think it would grab more of an audience than what the Battlemaster Corner currently does. But I uh, agree. Yeah, I like the video. I think that's a good touch. Oh, definitely. But uh, all right, Daisy, uh, you have anything you want to say on Dragon Knights and how OP they are? They need a buff. Um, no, nope. they don't need a buff. I, I buff. definitely, I don't even. Do you really think dragon knights need a buff? Definitely not. Mm. Do you think vampires need a buff? No. You think vampire dragon knights need a buff? Oh no! My, oh yeah. <laughs> I think templars need to be nerfed too. What? But you're playing a sork. Oh come on, crit surge. <laughs> Second most OP <laughs> class in the game. This one over here. Out of all of them, I think I'm playing the most. Delty would probably agree with this that I'm playing the. Most underwhelming. Yes, of what? all of them. Templars are the most... I mean, they're good. They're very right, good so, at played, but... So then I personally just need a buff, because I, <laughs> I know that I am the worst sorcerer just in, in the game. So you need to have just to buff you. Just, just buff me. <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah, because Templars are rather underwhelming compared to every other one. Are you kidding me? You like run into groups of mobs and you just roar at everybody, swing your sword around in a couple of circles, and everything just falls over dead. I have a decent build. Oh, cheats. Any random dragon knight can do it better. <laughs> Talents, standard, Talons, standard, everything's dead. Yeah. I, they don't even need to swing their swords. They just talons and Block. standard. That's it. Although I have been Block. doing better with the build that I have now, so I am I am quite happy. Nice, and we'll we'll talk about that a little bit in the tales section because I know we build up a nice set for you as well. So we'll have some have some fun with that. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, we're gonna move on to our next bit of news, which is on Reddit. There was a uh, several confirmations made from a Reddit user at Pax Prime. A specific Reddit user attended PAX Prime and got a chance to sit down and talk to a few of the developers uh, and just ask them a few questions and got a, a couple confirmations. Now on Reddit, he goes that the they, aka Zenimax, they know about the whole Elder Staves Online thing, you know, Elder Staves Online, and they're working to make stamina more viable. I know with patch 1.3 and 1.4, stamina builds have been fairly re reliable, um, maybe not up to the insane power of the Elder Staves online, but at least comparable. I know several guilds are actually running um, dual-wield and two-handed stamina builds on various characters and in Trials and other areas, and it's working well. And also in the Dragonstar Arena, stamina builds are very, very viable. Um, but yeah, maybe not the 2,000 DPS that a staff can do but i know uh i was running about 900 to uh 1100 on mine that's good yeah <laughs> well compared to where we were with like 500 yeah that was a lot that's big improvement um next up they he asked about separate inventory space for crafting and pets and zenimax says they are working on a new type of ui element for pets and crafting I don't know if crafting materials, but pets. I'm hoping they add trophies in there because I love the trophies because a lot of them are fun. I think we got one in our uh, in our playthrough in the Daggerfall Covenant, which it's a shard of um, of one of those uh, 
Elliot stones, the Welkin stones, and it actually traps you in a bubble. It's actually really neat. I, I kind of like it. Uh, they have no current plans to itemize Daedric artifacts or PvP or otherwise. So if you're expecting to see a Mace of Molek Ball or a Dawnbreaker, you're out of luck. Sorry. And Thieves Guild and Dark Brotherhood will be coming after they implement the justice system, which that has been confirmed, I guess, in the uh, Quick QuakeCon. They were saying how justice system had to come in first to kind of set the whole basis. I mean, obviously, those two people are about stealing and killing, and justice system allows us to do that. So without that, you can't really do it. So as he says at the end of the post, I can't really prove any of this, um, but I spent a lot of time talking to one of the female de uh, developers there, and that this is some of the information they got. And Zoss Gina Bruno actually came on Reddit and confirmed that yes, you know, there's your proof. So some pretty neat changes coming up. They what? Are any of those changes I mentioned anything you're interested in? Actually, the one thing I have to point out is I think it's kind of funny how he had to make mention to the fact that he didn't just talk to a dev. He talked to a female dev. That well, that was pretty funny to me, but off topic. <laughs> the only thing that in this section that I am just so pumped about is the Thieves Guild and the Dark Brotherhood. I want to just rule over the entire Dark Brotherhood. Not, nothing else excites you off of that? I really would have thought the... Uh, Inventory space? Yeah, I'm sitting there staring at that. Apparently we're not as in sync oh, as no, I thought. No, no, we definitely are. We def but, you, but you know I'm all about the Dark Brotherhood. Yeah. I, I really am. But the Dark Brotherhood one wasn't, I guess... I didn't see it as news because I think we all sort of... Well, we know, knew it was coming, but... Yeah. Having it confirmed over and over just is still really exciting to me. It's not here yet, and sometimes you think, well, maybe they pushed it to the back burner, but this just confirms that they didn't. They are working on it, and I'm so excited for no, that. If, uh, if, we, if we're sure of one thing that they pushed to the back burner, that's console release. So you don't have to worry. They're working on other stuff. They're just not doing anything with consoles. But the, the inventory thing is amazing because i am a virtual hoarder and i would love to walk around with my pets but they just take up too much space yeah deltia how about you um yeah the stamina changes i'm really looking forward to because i just had a rage this this week i just raged and said you know what screw it i'm gonna play with stabs and i got on my night blade respect play with stabs and i was just pulling insane dps in comparison to my daggers i just like i think ag you said it best you can either do dps or move that's what the problem with stamina if there's a third resource it would change so much because dodging running sprinting rolling blocking all that stuff is so important even in trials or doing whatever it's so important and not being able to do that and going well i can dps or i can run out of the red circle what am i gonna do um, so I don't, I think they're really going to look towards that third resource. Like you've been asking for, that's what really excites me. The other upcoming content I'm really excited for dark brotherhood. I'm, I'm not so much into that. Like other people, I'm not sneaky, sneaky. I don't like that sort of thing. Um, but the storytelling I'm really interested in, but for me, I'm just really pumped about, you know, the fact that they're looking, these developers get it. People still complain about it, and they're still looking at ways to solve it. So I'm happy for that. And until then, I'll just use staffs on every character except my Templar. 
and that's because Templars are awesome. So you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is nice that they are going through and and making changes. And not like I said, it was nice that you know they confirmed some changes for us. Um, so it was. I know I'm really after a separate UI element. I really want a trophy and pet UI element. Yeah, that it's it goes into a you know a slot in your UI that you can just click it out of there and it comes out just like kind of open up your inventory and or you could use it like that because currently that's how you have to use trophies you have to go into your inventory right click and use and then it uses them why not just give us a separate ui element such as uh they already have the basis of it for the books um you know like in the achievement menu just throw it in there pets and trophies and then let us use them from in there it'd be great i would love that option because they've put so many Neat little trophies in the game. Do you know how many times I'd be thrown down the disgusting meat bag? Like, every five seconds. That's What'd you call me? (laughs) (laughs) I've had to throw away so many of the trophies because there's just not enough You're a hoarder. You don't throw anything away. Okay, that is is pretty true. I still have power engagement chain. (laughs) Oh, no, I threw threw that away because that's soul. But trophies I keep because you can't get them anywhere else, so. I had to keep it. I still feel so bad for doing that to Bala. Poor Bala. Poor Bala. <laughs> oh, I'm sad. I'm going to be sad in the corner over here. All right. Well, we're going to move on while she cries in the corner to the next part, which is another one of their community programs, a guild spotlight. This week they are spotlighting Equinox. Equinox. It's a German-based guild. They've been doing a lot of EU-based guilds recently. That's an interesting name for a German guild. Well. Yeah, it's it's that's what it is. Um, I guess they are a multi-gaming community, as I'm looking at. Again, we talked about these multi-gaming communities, but uh, they were established for Guild Wars 2, and they became a multi-gaming community probably after Guild Wars 2 didn't hold their interest. It doesn't hold too many people's interest unless you really just like to jump in and get out. It's kind of like the MOBAs of MMOs. Um, but yeah, it's uh, now they're active in Guild Wars 2, Warframe... Star Citizen and Diablo 3. Unfortunately, they're part of the Aldmeri Dominion, so... Whoops. Gross. Yeah, so if you're interested, you can check them out. Uh, Their email, or not their email, their website is equinox-hq.de. They probably are only German-speaking. They probably do speak English, because most Germans generally speak English as well, but don't be surprised if you're a primarily only English speaker when you uh, log in to see people talking in German. So there you go. Guild Spotlight, Cotton and Eat. Ah, they actually, it's kind of funny. Um, I was looking through their pictures that they added, and it looks like they had a naked drunk fest one night because I'm looking at the one photo, and they're in a tavern, and all the people did that slash play dead emote, so they're all passed out naked on the floor of the tavern. It's, it's rather funny, actually. Sounds that like my normal weekends. <laughs> yeah, that's a normal weekend right there. So there you go. That is a guild spotlight for Equinox. All right, we're going to move on to the next bit of news. This one uh, may have a rant from both Delta and myself and maybe even Thais. Layoffs at ZeniMax and IGN exploiting. I added that part in, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Recently, we're going to talk about the news here. Recently, there was a press release that they had laid off people at ZeniMax Online Entertainment, the ZeniMax Studios. Um, That's all it was. As they said, with how most games run, and if you've been following MMOs at all, 
Um, this kind of happens. They ramp up a large staff to work on the game prior to launch, and then a lot of support staff, et cetera, et cetera, and then they lay off some people after the game is launched and steady. Of course, IGN and their infinite wisdom in trying to, you know, be the D-bags that they are, I, I really want to write, like, a, a letter to, like, the anonymous group and just say, can you, like, DOS attack these guys and take their website down because they're terrible? Because <laughs> they're awful? Okay, Thais, you're staring at me with wide open eyes. What are you thinking? That's horrible. About which part? Like, all of it. It's it's sad. I mean, it, it makes sense why they would do that, but the fact that IGN is using that... IGN always puts a personal spin on stuff and tries to make it sound worse than what it is. But if you've looked, like, all they did was they they let go of some of the excess staff. Like, when they first started off, they budgeted saying, okay, we're, we're going to budget for 100,000 calls a day. If you only get 50,000 calls, why are you paying for 100,000 call, calls worth of support? They don't. They lay them off. They lay off excess marketing people because once the game's released, why do you need 100 people in your marketing department? The game, you know, your main marketing push is already done. You know, they didn't actually get rid of any developers or very few of them, I guess. Um, but this is a very, very common practice in the MMO yeah. genre. It, it is like, oh, my goodness. Blizzard lays off half their staff every other year. They do a uh, they do a, um, an expansion. And then right after the expansion launches, they lay off half their team again. That's what they do. But apparently they're you know, making a big deal out of it. So Deltia, what did you, uh, what did you feel about this? Oh, okay. I, I don't give IGN any more clicks because I'm done with them, but here, here's the problem that I had with it. And kind of went back and forth with a guy on Twitter and then, you know, all respect or whatever. But the thing about IGN is they only report on the bad news and it's not objectively. So they'll, they'll report and yes, they'll release the, um, press release from Zenimax, but then give their own garbage about how the game's failing and should go free to play. No one wants this game to go free to play. Is it World of Warcraft? This game is not World of Warcraft. There's not 10 billion people playing it, and I'm okay with that. IGN, I don't know why you're not. Free to play isn't successful in every game. Yes, you make a lot of money. I don't want free to play people in this game. I like it the way it is. The community's fine. They're making content. That's all that matters to me. They're making great content. They're changing the game. It's just like they have this personal vendetta to see every MMO or every game that's not Battlefield, you know, Battlefield, Grand Theft Auto, or Call of Duty, which they get paid sponsors for, fail. And that's what I get mad about it. Um, leave the game alone. If you don't like it, great. But just reporting on the negative stuff, like not like reporting on the good Kragorn expansion or, hey, 1.4 is dropping. They're trying to get more subscribers. They're trying to make the game. That would be good reporting, right? No, it's all negative to get clicks. And I'm done giving them clicks. Exactly. Because we were talking about this before. Negative always surpasses positive. Yep. Uh, you know, I see something, something on the news. Uh, Obama passes healthcare reform that does, you know, gives everyone a hundred dollars. Are nine thousand million people dead in Mumbai? I'm like, oh, let's click that. You know, it's just <laughs> negative. That's people tend to look at negative. You know, uh, it's, it's the news. It's it the, is. look at the news. I mean, it's no more one death. cares about the happy reports. They want to look at, you know, the you know, 
senator donates hundred thousand dollars to charity or senator has wild orgy in in oval office everyone clicks that you know that's that's how it is i have one more comment you're exactly right star wars laid off staffs when um the expansion launches they have to ramp up and actually i'm surprised they didn't let people go earlier um because a lot of other mmos came out destiny's coming out that's going to be a really good one um and you know this isn't huge juggernaut game but it's doing good for what it is as long as there's development staff coming eve is online still goes on you know what i mean they have a small niche community so i the doomsayer is a free to play free to play isn't the answer to this game the answer is just keep making it better we're going to come back to this game and a lot of people already have there was a really great post. I wish I would have saved it because it would have been great to read on the show, but I'll try to uh, summarize it as best as I can. The guy was talking about subscription versus free-to-play, and he was saying how free-to-play is not always the best thing, and he talks about in ESO it's not the best thing because how a subscription works is it's more of an agreement between the developers and the subscribers going – you give us content we like and we pay you. The second you don't give us content you like, we stop. That's our right. agreement. That's yep. our that's our little handshake with them going, this is our trust agreement with you. As long as you keep us happy, we'll work on it. Whereas free-to-play, you get a different type of player in there who is the MMO locust, if you will, the jump people who jump in. And the main yep. thing is it drives development because, the you know, as you saw with uh, SWOTOR, but it changes the development. The development it does. becomes more towards buying cash shop items than mm-hmm. hard content and good story. That's what it does. One of the thing that yeah, exactly. That was one thing that uh, here's a perfect example. I'm a huge mount collector in other games. When I was playing Rift and stuff like that, when it went free to play, I'm like, oh okay, I hopped in it. The one biggest shot to my heart that it just hurt was. They had raid rare mounts that dropped when you down raid bosses that sometimes would drop. Or you could go to the cash shop and just buy it for twenty dollars. That's uh that's Star Wars to me. That's why I quit. Uh, it's you know the the rewards came out. It was a rancor. That was really cool. Everyone wants to ride a rancor. Then they said, oh yeah, or you can buy one. What? Uh huh. So the people who worked hard to get it prior to Rift going free-to-play or, or SWOTOR going free-to-play now just feels cheapened by it going, well, I worked for it. Or I could just have extra money and throw it at it. And that's what happens when you play free-to-play. Development shifts from having good gameplay and good story to quick uh, c- cash grabs. How much money can we get out as fast as we can? And that's what you do. You know, I'm not I'm not against vanity items and stuff like that. But when a free to play market goes in, you stop getting the we would stop getting the Dragon Star updates. But yep. instead, we'd get a hey, you can buy a purple horse or hey, do you not like bucks. leveling to VR 14? Well, maybe if you slap down 100 bucks, we auto level you, you know, yep. Yep. that's what happens. That's the type of culture that free to play brings. And it's not the type of culture that we want. It's I, I don't mind. I don't mind Cash Shop coming here because ultimately the game needs some way to give them more money. So the free-to-play part of it that's successful is you look at the game right now. There's only one way to give them money. That's a monthly sub. If they came out with cute little horses and bunnies, they can get more money, which ultimately means 
better content for us. But we need that sub. So like you said, Agelos, they know exactly how many people are can be playing, how many developers they can hire, what they can work on, forecasting development cycles. You don't have that with free-to-play model. You you don't have that. You can, and that's a perfect example. Is based. You can look at your projections. You can look at your current subscriber base. You can look at your subscri- subscriber base over the past few months, and you can project how much money you will have. Like you said, to hire new staff, to work on new content. With free to play, you don't know. Maybe your Sparkle Pony didn't sell as well as you thought it would. You know. Maybe you released a sparkly <laughs> bunny and everyone on their, you know, people actually bought the game just to get the bunny. You know, you don't know. And that's the, you know, and they stripped down the the good development team because they don't need good developers with good ideas. They just need a good artist and someone who can program in a, a pixel bunny, you know, and there you go. <laughs> that's all you need. Uh, I'm not going to hate on all free to play games. You know, some of the models work really well. Um, but yeah, once when development stops being about the game and what you can sell the most, that's when I am done. And it's the freeloaders that expect every game to be free. They spent millions of dollars to making this game. Why? How? The, how dare you think that we owe you? They owe you something. You know, where does that attitude even come from? I remember back in the day where you didn't, there were no free to play games, period. You paid for everything. (laughs) The old, uh, you know, old NES game for 50 bucks back in like the 80s. It's like, come on, you know how much money that was? That was a lot of money. I mean, this is the business. They're in it to make money. Where did free to play even, I mean, it's the 1% that keeps free to play going. The one person I knew him in Star Wars that would spend $1,000. I had a friend that would spend $1,000 on buying these stupid random packs. That would pay for how many people's subs right there. So the 1%, everyone else gets freeloaded. But anyways, I'm I'm happy where the game is. If it does go free-to-play, I don't know. I can tell you right now that the likelihood that this podcast would continue if it went free-to-play is almost zero. Because I don't don't deal with free-to-play games. And generally speaking, unless they could keep up with the type of updates that they're doing, which we know from past experience, they don't. It just it wouldn't hold our interest. It really wouldn't. But anyway, so there we go. We just shot down IGN again, and I hope they all die. All right. Next up, PTS patch nodes version 1.4.2 hit. Uh, that's was an incremental patch done on the PTS. That focuses on mostly fixes for combat, uh, crafting, dungeons, itemization, and quests, and also included a number of fixes from the Dragon Star Arena. Now, um, some of them are, it's kind of neat, like just little animation buffs, I guess. They optimize the particle effect on Trial's Manticora boss to improve visual quality. Dawnbreaker, uh, your weapons will now remain hidden. I think that was actually causing a uh, it was a little graphics bug where your weapon would get like stuck up in the air when you were casting Dawnbreaker. That's kind of interesting. Next up, I actually kind of want to talk about this a little bit. They've made a couple changes to a few abilities, at least one ability in every single class. Uh, Dragon Knight, Ardent Flame, fixed an issue where Burning Breath 4, Morph of Fiery Breath, wasn't dealing damage over time as it should. That actually would have been a pretty big DPS loss. 
So they fixed that. Um, something that I think is kind of neat and will be, I'd like to see it in PVP a little bit more is rite of passage. You're now immune to interrupt effects while channeling this ability. So Templars are just becoming even better healers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, sorcerer under their storm calling streak, which is a, uh, streak, huh? That's an interesting ability named to get naked when you do it. Morph of Bold Escape will no longer affect more than six targets, which was resulting in a Aww. much larger ultimate gain than intended. So, uh, you mean I can't, yeah, I can't streak, bat, streak, bat, streak, bats? Oh, dang it. Eh, that's That's been changed, so, yeah. <laughs> and they did fix an issue with Healing Ward, which it wasn't actually causing critical hits. So, hmm. from, that's a restoration staff. Let's see. Ah, ooh, this is this is going to be interesting. Um, so, Deltia, how much do you like your vampire? Um, amazing. How much do you like classes. your vampire in stealth? Well, yeah, misform and those sorts of things are amazing. Well, they fixed an issue where you could stack dark stalker passive with the night silence or shadow dancer's raiment to. Uh, item right. sets to move at mount speed this is no longer possible you get the bonus from either dark stalker or night silence not both yeah that's what i was showing in my video with my night blade that i could outrun people on their horses because it's all stacked the mm -hmm. medium armor passive that i mean so you were just blazing fast but i think that's a good change Overall, I think it would, but I wonder how many people are going to be upset about that because I know a lot of people are like, how do you move so fast? You know, I know a lot of vampires who specifically built sets around being able to move yep. this fast, but uh, yeah, now I, I guess it's I, gone. Now, can I say something about last show? We talked about vampires, and mm -hmm. I'm just going to, I assume that's a yes. I'm just yep, going to go. We talked about a hard counter, you know, they, vampires really do have a, it's huge strengths, but there is some huge weaknesses too. I mean, if you do turn undead, you get feared, you can't control your character and you get nuked. There are some huge strengths and weaknesses to vampire. I really think, honestly, they got it almost dead on right in PVP at least. It, it's you can't mitigate all the fire damage, so there's going to be fire damage. You have huge fire guilt. They are a hard counter, believe me, it is. And even now that I'm a werewolf, I still get nuked by some of the fire guild uh, things going on. So there's a big trade-off. There really is. Well, there definitely is a big trade-off. Like we were feeling this uh, during our tales section. We'll talk about we were doing a um, a public dungeon. And there was one guy who was essentially a dragon knight. He did a fire whip and he did a fire breath. Right. And both of us at the time were vampires. We got hit with that fire breath. It was a one shot for us. We died. We did not yeah. live through that. And I'm sitting there going, man, it's really like almost really freaking hard. Like I don't. And then I'm sitting there thinking about it. Oh, wait, we're both vampires. That makes sense. Because <laughs> I'm sitting there going, my goodness, that just seems a little... I mean, I know you shouldn't be hit by it because it gave you a little... It was a fairly quick little uh, cone. But I'm like, instant death for that in a public dungeon? That seems kind of harsh. And then I thought about it for a little bit. I'm like, oh, yeah, right. We could take 50% more damage because we're vampires. Oh, okay. That, that made a lot more sense. But oh, my goodness, that boss was hard. But uh, I did find that was an interesting fix, and I think there's going to be a little bit of... 
I wouldn't say complaining, but I think a lot of people's hearts just sank when that change hits because now they won't be able to go that fast. So now they did do a lot of a lot of fixes to the Dragon Star Arena. I really don't want to go through all of them because um, there are a lot of them, but they're they did do a lot of fixes so far. So that's awesome. I'm really excited about it. So yeah, it's gonna be go. fun. Yeah, I cannot wait for uh, Dragon Star Arena to come out, and I'm going to spend a lot of time in there. Okay, uh, the next thing that I wanted to mention is, well, actually, this is a pretty good one, one of the good news. ESO was nominated by the Golden Joystick Awards for Best Online Game of the Year. So that's kind of exciting. Um, So if you haven't had a chance to, you should go out to the Golden Joystick Awards site, and uh, you should vote for ESO because that's really awesome that they got up there. Um, yeah, just talking about how good the game is. So it's changed a lot since launch. And it, yeah. I, I honestly, uh, I mean, I thought the game was great at launch, but it's it's 100% better. And that's not really an exaggeration. They've done a lot to make the game even better than what it was. Totally agree. They're like, they're diligent in how they're mm-hmm. working on it. And there's still a lot of room for improvement, but they, oh, they're yeah. doing great. I think if they took the version we have now, not even, it's not even six months old yet. Maybe it's getting close to that. Um, and, you know, everyone's memory was wiped of launch and they played this version. I think uh, all the negative reviews would probably be gone. Like, it's amazing game. Now we just got to get people to actually come back and, and try this amazing game that it's becoming and only getting better. So Yeah, they will. They will. It's just you build a fantastic game, they'll come. And, you know, Dragon Star Arena will attract a different kind of person. Um, you get the Dark Brotherhood in here, that'll attract a different kind of person. Um, it's it's growing. And think of six months. That's incredible. All the changes they're doing and planning, I've never seen an MMO develop this fast. No. Not even MMOs like this example, World of Warcraft, who essentially has like an unlimited wallet behind it, doesn't right. generate content this fast. You know, it's they don't. And the thing is, the content that they do generate is pretty much all the same type. I mean, it, it's a it's a raiding game. It's a raid. It's a raid. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. I'm not going to argue they do like some of the best raids out there. I think ESO could learn a lot from the type of raid structure that they have. Uh, with mechanics and stuff, because I think their trials at least were not up to par, at least the first ones. Uh, Dragonstar Arena is a great step in the right direction. Um, But, I mean, they don't have to be really innovative with the type of stuff they do, because they're like, oh, as long as we release a raid, we'll keep the majority of our players. These guys have to look at a wider spectrum of players, because if you're playing Warcraft, you're either a PvP or you're a Raider. Really, there's nothing really else in the middle. A few little niches in there. But this game, because of the type of game it is, you've had such a large fan base who only ever played single player games. You got to look at their single player experience. You got to look at the PvP side of things. You got to look at the Raiders. And unlike, you know, other games where it's like, yeah, well, we got stuff for solo people. It's whatever. This one, the percentages are more widely distributed. Other games, it's like, yeah, we got 9%, you know, or 60% Raiders. 35% 35% PVPers, 5% other. We don't have to spend as much time. This one's more evenly, you know, separated. So, uh, yeah. Um, Face, do you have anything you want to say about ESO and the Golden Joystick Awards? Uh, no. No, just that it's fantastic that it was nominated for that. Did you vote? No, because I didn't know it existed. You should do that. 
Okay, I will get on that. Yeah. Okay. You should do it now. I don't know where it is. Okay, I'll show you. Okay. And Deltia, what about you? Well, it's fantastic. I know it's my favorite game of the year right now, and um, it's not—it's not for everyone. But like you said, there's a lot more in between. There, there's amazing RP. I don't do that, but I was in Rockall or whatever you call it, and there's people out there having a little festival. You always see Zenimax tweeting out RP. Like you can really get the immersion in this game, bar none, fantastic. Well, the lore of the game supports so much, too. Like, other games, you have to dig for lore. This thing has, like, 20 years of lore. And unlike, you know, you could argue Warcraft has 20 years. Yeah, they do, and they have a couple books and stuff. But the games that it was based off of were, you know, RTS games. They weren't really thick with lore. You go all the way back to, you know, 94 when the first Elder Scrolls, they still had books in the game. You know what I mean? They wrote lore for this game. The world feels so real. And it does really, you know, aid for the, uh, aid to the cause of role players. Like you said, I've never seen so many role play events ever in a game. Like there's all the time. Every week I see like five or six tweets from, uh, Zenimax about different RP events that you can go out and see. It's really neat. All right, so that ends our game news for this week, and um, we're going to move on to our next section. We normally have a discussion topic here, but unfortunately our plans fell through with with what we were going to talk about. So we're actually going to save that for a coming week, because we don't want to discard it because it was great, but unfortunately the person that we had lined up was not able to make it. So we're going to move right on to our Tales section. And Delty, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been doing in ESO this week? Oh, you mean I get to talk some more? Great. I love talking about myself. Um, Just kidding. Oh, actually, not really. Oh, my God. This week was fantastic. I don't know if I ever had as much fun in a game this week than I ever had. uh, Today, we did PvP. And, you know, I kind of been on a rant about PvP. It's not really small. It's not coordinated. You know, haven't been liking it. I hadn't had so much fun PvPing in a game in eons, maybe years, than what I did today. I don't know why. It was just fun, exciting. You felt like you actually were changing something. Your character mattered in a huge battle for Emperor. I hadn't felt like that in such a long time. It was really refreshing to make it feel like, I'm Deltia, dude. You're not going to mess with this Dragonite. Um, I made a million videos, too, trying to finish up my Sork. I made some money videos. I've been trying to hammer out the content, getting ready for you know Dragonstar Arena. I had tons of people from this podcast and other ones join the guild, which has been awesome. I mean, some really good people. And so they're kind of new to the game, and I've been helping them with specs and gear and kind of you know the whole meta game. As far as tail section... Since you guys always tell stories, I'm going to tell a story instead of just rambling, which I like rambling. Um, I soloed an anomaly in Craglorn on my Dragon Knight. I made this build. I was sitting up at night, you know, thinking about builds like we always do on an ESO head. I go, what if I could make a build specifically to survive anything just as long as I could hold out and still do damage? So I crafted some white gear and I got bored. I'm like, I sold a little dome one, but that's not really that impressive anymore. So I went out to Craglorn, started farming it, died. Okay, that's fine. Went back to the drawing board, crafted some more, got some potions, went back, started killing it. I'm like, hmm, I could do this. Crafted some more, blah, blah, blah. 
I did it, and it was awesome. Just kind of a proof and concept of what you can do with your character. If you design a character to do one thing really specifically, you can get it done and have a blast doing it. And I was by myself, and I, my heart was beating. It was racing. I was like, can I do this? Uh, it was awesome. So that's my story for this week, I guess. Just, I don't know, kind of progressing myself and challenging myself. I did PvP, PV, videos, uh, I am disappointed about the staff thing just because it's so much better. But this game just holds my attention like no other. It's just I can get on here and go pick flowers for five hours or go do something else. It's just so much fun. I, I know what you I know what you mean. I actually more often than not with this game, no other game makes me feel this way. Like I do play other MMOs. I have one other that I play. But this one, no matter what, whenever I log into it, it's like Oh my goodness, nothing else can keep... I don't even intend to pick flowers sometimes, but I'm just like, all right, well, I'm going <laughs> to go do something else. Oh, look, a flower! And I pick it. Okay, now where was I heading? Oh, look, a flower! And I've actually wasted like 45 minutes and realized, oh, I made it all the way across the map just jumping from one resource node to the next, to the next, <laughs> to the next. And I've actually discovered some really neat stuff, and no other game really lets you do that. Like, I've found things that don't even necessarily mean like the quest-wise or just interesting-looking things that you found. I was playing around in the Crow's Wood earlier, and oh. uh, yeah, on, on my like level 8 Nightblade, I was sneaking and trying not to die. Um, but it was a, I love that public dungeon, and I'll talk about that a little later. But one of the things I thought was just really neat, there was a pool, like a, like a well, and there looked to be like a big spiritual disturbance or something like that. And all these spirits were getting pulled to it and getting sucked into the well. I'm like, well, what's going on? And I just walked over there and I was just staring at it. I'm like, I'm not even sure what's going on, but this is really freaking awesome. So I think I spent like 10 minutes staring at it, trying to wait to see, is there a boss going to pop out? Is What is happening here? And all these spirits are just getting sucked into this little well. It was really neat. Um, I just I adore this game. Absolutely adore it. And uh, I know uh, I saw the video of you so soloing the uh, anomaly. That was actually really, really, really neat. Um, I guess uh, here's a question for you. Can I know you have a bunch of alts? Can you tell me kind of each alt what you're currently doing on them, so we so people sure. know what you're kind of running with? Um, so my Nightblade, I finished the build, basically I leveled them to VR5. That way I can use the VR5 food and get an accurate picture of stats that someone can expect closer to VR12 or endgame. Once I do that, I've kind of found a niche build that I like for soloing. Something that can stun, heal, self-heal, and basically you can survive almost anything. Once I get that done... I set that character down, go on to the next one. And I keep playing, you know, each one at least a couple times a week. Then I go to kind of a cookie cutter build. So my Nightblade got to VR5, did the one-shot Willy build, had a lot of fun. Now I'm working on a restoration DPS build for Trials specifically, doing maximum damage. It's not really, you know, pretty, but it does ridiculous damage. And I'm learning, so I'm going from that. Then the next build I'll do with him is go and make a PvP build focused on range and bow. My Sork, I'm finishing up the first initial build, which is going to be a two-handed hammer focused on armor penetration and using streak to just be lightning fast, blazing across the map. 
my Templar is my last person I need to get to VR5, and I've named the build Harvester. It is an absolute riot, a rock star. I mean, I, VR1, I was killing stuff in Craglorn. Six pull mobs with Blazing Shield. So this class, and people were like, oh my god, you're rocking a Templar? I'm like, everyone bangs on the Templar, but if you build it right, these things are beast mode. So I got that going on. And my Dragonite, you know, I just was... I don't know. I like the range of all the other classes, and so I kind of was having a, you know, out of mood with the Dragonite. I'm like, I'm going to pick it up again. It is the only class that fits my personality to a T. It's the meatball, run-in, talent, standard, nuke everyone, uh, and so it just feels like home to me. I love it. So that's kind of what I'm doing, is I go through and make a solo build, make a uh, PVE, like high DPS, or you know, a, a ta basically a trials build, if you will, and then I'll go through and make a PvP build. So right now, I mean, my Dragonite, I took to VR12 and did that completely, but each class, it takes a little bit longer to get familiar with. So that's what I'm doing with each class. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. And I, I know we were talking about Templars a little earlier, it Templars can be really good. Like if you have the yeah. right build, they I mean every class can be good if you build it. But I think Templars are kind of overlooked because they are the class that have the hardest time of going out and going, okay, we're just good. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a yeah. good build to be good. Other ones you can have so-so builds and still feel like you're awesome. You may not be the best, you know, other better builds of dragon knights will probably be better but just being a dragon knight generally you just have the ability to survive more you feel more beast mode all the time no matter what build you're running whereas templar but, if you're not building you know don't have a good build you feel very right. weak and it, it hurts the thing about the templar i like is when i'm grouped up with my my group i can always tell when a templar is not in the group and that sounds weird, but what I mean is they bring so much group utility that I'm like, damn, I wish you were on your Templar. That way I could get Luminous Shards. Damn, I wish you were on your Templar so you could do Breath of Life. Damn, I wish you were on your Templar so I could get Cleanse. Damn, and you know, I just find myself going, I wish we had a Templar around. They're not the best DPS. That's completely honest. We don't want D Templar DPS running around just because the Nightblade's ultimates and they can just hit so much harder, but... They're just fun. Group utility is unmatched, really. And I like them. I, I was banging on them earlier, but now that I play it, it's kind of like, I hate to say it, a poor man's Dragonite. It, it definitely is. It's We do have some of the best group utility out there, and you can definitely feel it. Like you got, if you're a tank, tanks just love Luminous Shards. They, they, they just want to kiss you when you throw a, sh a spear down. Yeah. It, it's great. And you do feel it when you don't have that. It's like, man, I really wish we was a Templar. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, cool. So is that all your tales for this week? Yeah, I rambled on for quite a bit, but it's just, gosh, this game's fun. It's just so fun. I, I can't stop playing it. I probably play way too much. And I know I have 50 different characters, but they're all just, they built the game. I, I, before I played the game, I'm like, there's no way they can balance this. There's no way they can balance anyone can heal DPS and tank. I thought no way in a million years could ever any developer ever pull that off and break off the Holy Trinity, where if you roll this character, it's going to be a tank. They did it. I'm shocked. 
they they definitely did it is some classes like i said still need that like you know like you said templars are the if you don't have a good build you feel weak compared to other ones but i mean everything else you can do you can still build characters that can fulfill the trinity roles and anyone yep. can do anything and and feel at least decent and I, I don't mean decent as a bad thing i'm like it's passable you know like you could do vr content with it not a eh, yeah sure okay you know you can do a lot of stuff and it's really cool all right well these guess what it's what? our turn cool guess what we have to talk about our adventures that's right awesome and uh why don't you go ahead and would you like me to go first you to talk first. about our character changes sure since i didn't change anything okay well um i of course now i've redid my character several times and i actually respect all my stuff and i got all my crafting uh all the way maxed out so i'm a master crafter and everything except for uh you know enchanting but we don't talk about that because enchanting is enchanting i don't like enchanting it makes me angry but otherwise um yeah so i maxed unfortunately that kind of nerfed my power as a whole because now I don't have all the all the points in every other area, so now Thais has to carry me a little bit sometimes, and that's kind of it's kind of hard because she doesn't really have very big arms, and I'm kind of heavy. But no, it, he's still actually fairly strong because I have my basic build, and I wanted to be able to recreate all my gear. So I went and Thais, you now go ahead and say what you're gonna say because you have this little look on your face of uh huh. Uh, no, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut on this one. No, no, go ahead. Instead of choosing to go, you know, half and half with his skill points in crafting and skill points in his abilities, because before he had all of his skill points and abilities, which, you know, made his crafting suffer. So now he has all of his skill points in crafting. He maxed out every single option in crafting. Because I wanted them all. So now he's, he's pretty much wielding a pillow. On the battlefield. Well, the thing is, every time that I switched, the first time I did it, I wasn't able to do all my crafting because I didn't have enough skill points. Because if I did all my crafting, I'd literally have nothing in my in my combat abilities. Now uh, I have enough skill points that I can get my basic build done. I don't have all the passives that I want, but I have the majority of them. Oh yeah, because they're not worth it. Yeah. No, they're they're fantastic. They're fantastic passives. But being able to craft my own gear is really nice, too. I can see that being fantastic, but there's a few abilities you definitely did not need to take that you could have just left no, blank. No, they were awesome. I needed them all. No, you <laughs> really didn't. I really did. I mean, the being able to make multiple different kinds of food, that's awesome. Yeah, but you only ever use... The, the the actual food. You don't use beverages because that right now change. they're useless. Yeah, it may change in the future, which is like months and months and months away. Yeah, so but now I don't have to spend so the respect. So there's three points right there you could have put somewhere else, okay? That's just one example of the many, many options that you could have left out. But I like those options. I, I, I know. This is my character. Yeah, I should be yeah, able to build it uh, how I want. Yeah, exactly, which is why I am now winning. No, you're not. Even with my even with my like two skill points, oh, I still do more. When I you. stand there and I like shove my staff in the air and fire just bursts out from my beam. And then she lights her robes on fire. She's like, 
Because I'm flame retarded. Flame retarded. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, no, I'm still powerful at her, and I only have like one skill point in combat. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, you're not. My abilities that I'm using now, I have in my eyes, I have the perfect build. I love my build. What is it? My my one ability is is I'm really bad with skill names. It's the one where the flames burst out of my body. Impulse. Impulse, thank you. Okay. And okay. then my second ability is where I call down lightning to strike somebody. Uh, Mage's, Mage's Fury. Fury. Okay, thank you. Man, my... I didn't play a sorcerer and I got this. Come on. <laughs> my now. third ability is the Daedric Minefield. Got that one. Really? Yes, I love that ability. Okay. It, it, it works really well for which me. Which morph do you take? I'm sorry? What morph do you take? Uh, the one where it surrounds you with five of them. Okay. We were having a lot of fun with that Deltia the one time when I was playing with the uh, Volcanic Rune. So oh, I would put Volcanic yeah. Rune, she'd put the Daedric Mines. Boom. We'd just be exploding <laughs> everybody around us. She'd place them all around, they'd get trapped, I'd put a uh, Volcanic Rune. They'd explode, and then they'd hit the ground, fall over, then they'd run over, get trapped again, and I'd do... Nothing ever got us, but we I just killed them with Volcanic Rune. <laughs> just blowing them up was so much fun. My fourth ability is... The, the surge ability. And then my fifth ability is... Oh my gosh. The surge one is the, the emperor the, one, right? Where you're, you know, emperor that's Palpatine. Overload. Oh, that's overload. That, and that's Unlimited power! My, my fifth one is the one where I have the floating orb from the mages guild. Okay. Inner yeah. light. Thank you. Yes, that one. And then my ultimate is that soul ability where it's really flashy. Oh, soul, soul assault. No, she has or, soul assault, the morphed version. Which Jesus? extends its Jesus duration. Beam? Yeah, we call that we call that Jesus beam. Oh, Jesus beam. Yes, those those are the abilities that I'm using, and with with that combination, I seem to be doing really really well. That's and a good I, build. Yeah. I I just got all new rank three armor as well, <laughs> and I switched to mostly light armor. So I'm waiting to see what that does. Do you have a lot of passives in light armor? I have some, yeah. No, I think I have all of them. Oh, then you'll you'll love the light armor then. Like, you're going to hit... When I was running all medium armor, and I had all the passives in it on the PTS, I was, like, unstoppable with stamina. Like, I never ran out of stamina. Uh, you'll have so much magicka regeneration. You may want to check your soft caps, which I need to get you that add-on that shows you the soft caps. Don't need it. When I get there, I get, I'll get there. I'm, oh, I'm, not, no. I'm not worried about it. I'm not an elitist like you. I'm not a number cruncher. When, when I get there, I'll get there. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, but what if you get there and you overcap too much? Well, when I notice like, I, I get there, I'll, I'll switch something. It's not, not that big of a deal. But the math. But, but I don't like math. But you could figure out exactly how much you need. But I don't want to do that. That's, it's too much work. Oh. I'd rather I'd rather. She hurts fun. me. Every Asian in the world is crying right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I pulled that. I'm sorry. Um, I'm also running uh, five pieces of Seducer and three pieces of Willow's Path. Nice. For my armor. Yeah, those, those are nice set Seducer bonuses. Awesome. Now, now, who was it who crafted all those amazing pieces of gear for you? Some guy. Some guy, huh? I bet you had every point in crafting. Who's really horrible at uh, fighting because all of his <laughs> skill points are in crafting. Uh, I still die less than you. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so yeah, those are our characters, and let's go ahead and move in. Now, we were working in Stormhaven this week again, moving our way through, and um, one of the things we went into, like, the very first thing we did is we started heading a little bit south, and we went to, uh, was that, Keoglin Mine, which is a delve. It wasn't too exciting, except for the fact that that's where I hit VR3, in which Thais was upset with me, because I hit it before her. He always hits everything before me. Always. Always. Maybe because I'm a number cruncher and I learned to maximize my stuff. Oh, burn. I am killing the same exact stuff as you. I am, like, following behind you with my super fiery explosions. Killing stuff, I should be right where you are. You know what I think it is? I think it's because when I'm not playing and he's on by himself, I think he goes around the world and just opens up tons and tons of chests Hey, wait a minute. Whenever, me. whenever we're playing, I let you have every single one we do because you're like, oh, treasure chest. You want to know why? Because you're guilt-ridden. No. By <laughs> opening up tons of other chests without me. No. So you just give them to me. No, that's, no. That's it's happens. because I, I don't want to hear you cry. Because anytime I go to open a chest, you're like, but I saw it first. Even though I was ten minutes behind yeah, you. Yeah, like, I'm like, matter. you're not even on the same map. <laughs> yeah, no, I have to do it. Because, yeah, I am guilt-ridden. If I do open one, I'm like, I'm never going to hear the end of this. Is it really? Is the little bit of experience and a little bit of gold that I get out of this worth the nagging that's going to happen because I didn't let her have it? No. You Here, are you so take the chest. getting beat after the podcast. It's true, though. <sighs> yeah, that's what happens. Anyway. Go ahead. Anyway. No, no, no. You say what you're going to say. No, no, it's okay. It's all right. Go ahead. All right. Continue. How long did it take you to hit VR3 after I hit VR3? Um, maybe 20 minutes. That's not bad. <laughs> okay. 20 minutes. Yeah, right. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. <sighs> maybe if you played more and, you know, maximized your character a little bit. Dead air is not good for podcasts. So <laughs> mouth open. <laughs> if you all could see her, her mouth's just hanging wide open. That's why I didn't say anything. <laughs> I want to see who would say something first. All right, so we moved on from there, and we actually, it's kind of neat because we got a quest that we had to go, you know, to Alkir Castle because there's weird stuff going on. And one of the things we hit up first is as you're walking across, there's actually two farms up there. There is a uh, the Vaughn family farm and the Nuren family farm. And so we stop at each five because, you know, obviously we're the heroes and we have to help out. And we had to rescue the Vaughn family from Daedric cultists because, you know, the Vermina, Vermina cult, uh, Supernal Dreamers. Dreamers, Thank you. You're welcome. I I didn't have it written down, so I didn't know what it was. I'm surprised I remembered it. Yeah. So they're running around doing all sorts of nasty Daedric things. And we had to try to free them. And if I remember correctly, the mother is kind of distressed and and uh the daughter believes the father's alive and wants to keep searching but the mother's like yeah don't do it mm-hmm. um so what exactly happened after that so we talked to the, the the daughter who like any other character it's supposed to be like a young person and it's someone who's about 40 so we're talking to her and and, and we agree with her like okay we'll go we'll search for your father you get to a safe area and we'll just ignore your mother what she doesn't know won't hurt her. And we go searching, and, and we, we run up a hill, and we find what we were looking for. Her father was actually being tortured and tr- and was trying to be sacrificed by her mother. So it was her mother who was part of the Supernal Dreamers and who was just trying to kill her father. 
And it was it was sad because we eventually had to kill the mother, but then we were able to rescue the father. And we went back to the woman and, and, and she's like, you know, I should probably be sad that my mother's dead, but I'm just happy my father's alive. And and, and I was thinking, well, that's kind of sad. How about that? Off topic, but I think it's kind of funny. I'm, I just glanced over at the, the, the chat and Mr. Bigglesworth quoted me, but the math. I, I don't know. We're gonna. I'm gonna have to save that for a show title since we're, you know, doing the been grinding every all day. my life. <laughs> but, but the math. I, I yeah. See, I can <laughs> barely count to ten. <laughs> I am like that one scene in the Family Guy episode where they start talking about math. I'm Chris lying in the middle of the road, <laughs> sucking my thumb. <laughs> when math is mentioned. But the math. Nope. Seriously, put the math. Okay. So then we will go up and uh, we help out on the Neuron Farm as well. And we had to help secure the farm. Um, and it's it's really, really weird. I think you actually have the, the stories mixed up. Because this is where the mother turned out to be the sac- the leader. This uh, The Van family was the one where the mother and daughter were being sacrificed to summon a demon. Oh, in, in the, the stone circle. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. So I, I, I was a little confused. That's okay. It's all good. But anyway, there was a lot of Daedric stuff going down, and we had to crush some Daedric skulls. It happens. It happens. Mm-hmm. Now, my favorite part of the entire day was as we made our way up north to Alkir Castle, because we were right outside, and there's those eye daggers again. There's a world boss up there. Daze, what is the title of that world boss? But that's not even how it started, okay? Ag, Ag goes to me and says, hey, there's a world boss up here. Why don't we go do it? And I went, oh, sure, let's go. And and he goes, look on your map and see where we're going. So I pull up my map and I, and I hover over and I go, oh, look, a world boss. And then instantly I go, oh, look, a world boss. Because it's called Spider's Nest. For everybody out there, Spider's Nest. Three giant spiders that you have to kill. Not only did he make us do this once, but he insisted that we went back three other times <laughs> to kill them for loot and experience. But the what? math, but <laughs> the numbers are there. By the fourth time we're doing this, I'm not even looking at the screen. I'm, I'm putting healing circles on the ground wherever my mouse happens to be. And I'm looking at the ceiling. I'm singing to myself. I'm like, Ag, are you dead? No, I'm good. All right. That's fine. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I did insist that we go kill the spider boss as many times as it was up. Because, I mean, the math. That's going to be my answer for everything now. The math. He kept asking what dropped, and, uh, and my response would be the same. I don't know. I don't care. I got, a, I got a pair of unique um, cloth pants that were like cobweb, and I tried to give them to her, and she didn't want them. I'm like, they're just a little dirty. Got a little bit cobwebs on them. Maybe some baby spiders. Oh, gross. Oh. <laughs> So, yes, now we made it all the way up to Alkir Castle, and this was actually kind of neat because we're supposed to resolve a military standoff um, that threatens the Covenant up there. Apparently, there's a Red Guard army outside, and when I got in, the first thing I said was, there's like five tents. How is this an army? And then, of course, when you get in there, the guys explain it. It's like, yeah, it's not really an army. It's one regiment, you know, but, you know, they see us as an army. Um, It's, it's... What? Go ahead. I, I had to look over a chat, and Ark, what you just said was probably the most amazing thing I, I ever saw. Ark says in chat, Thais should totally make a blind healing guide. Might have to do that. Are you blind? <laughs> you like to play ESO. <laughs> do you like to heal? 
Well, they useful help. I'm Press the buttons. perfect guy for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, don't don't worry about that. They probably get a seeing eye. You know, actually, a seeing eye dog would probably play better whenever there's spiders than. Probably. Yeah, would, I'm just gonna get one of them. Just you know, stick their nose on the. You keyboard. could teach one of our cats. Yeah, they're ADD. <laughs> um. All right. So. Yeah. So we're up there. We're fighting along. And what exactly happens? Do you remember the story of Alkir Castle? I I remember the story. You wanna. So, the, the Duke of this castle... This Duke Nathaniel, by the way. Duke Nathaniel. I just remembered him as the Duke. He was having some trouble because there is now a Red Guard encampment right outside his castle. And he's so flustered he tells us to talk to his head guard, which... Sir Hughes? Sir Hughes. Which, the entire time I kept calling him Sir Hughes of the Vale. And no one gets that Game of Thrones reference. Anyway, go ahead. So we're told to talk to him, and he finally reveals that, well, you know, we intercepted a message between someone here and the... King Faharajad? Faharajad, yes. And King Faharajad. And we're trying to figure out what's going on. And all of a sudden, these, these troops ride up on our lawn, and they're just sitting there, and there's someone down there who won't let the messenger through, and it's our job to go get the messenger, and a whole bunch of stuff's going down. But we finally found out that the person who is contacting the king is actually his daughter. So a Red Guard royal woman is married to a Breton duke. Yeah, and the whole reason why she's messaging him in the first place because there's been attempts on her life. Apparently, there was an Alkir-type poison that, I guess, got her food taster first. Yeah. So we have to kind of figure out what's going on. And uh, unfortunately, we don't do a very good job because yeah. she dies. Sorry, spoilers. We didn't save it was, her. It was really sad because you're going through this whole quest and you're, you, you, you figure it out ahead of time and... It's more of those Daedric cults, man. It's, it's bad times. But actually, here's another, not really off topic, but later on, it's kind of funny because I was walking around um, uh, Wayrest. And, of course, they have the ambient people talking. And one of the town crier was saying that uh, King High King Emmerich declared a day, of, a day of silence or a day of mourning for the death of, of uh, Duke Nathaniel's wife who was murdered. It was kind of neat how after you finish that quest that the town criers in the town kind of, you know, like, hey, you know, you hear them talking about different stuff that you've you've participated in, which is really cool. I've seen several times walking through cities, people say stuff like, hey, did you hear so-and-so stopped, you know, like. The hero of Davin's Watch. Yeah, hero of Davin's Watch. Like, all these people just say random stuff. And that's one of the things I love most from Skyrim that they brought in that after you do stuff. You hear people talking about it, going, "Hey, did you?" I, I remember one of them. There's a Nord going, "Did you hear uh, someone saved, uh, um, you know, the Nord King from an assassination?" Man, I wish I could buy that guy a drink. And I'm sitting there going, "It was me. Drink, please, right here. This guy. It was kind of neat. I love it. Love it." So, um, yeah. So we go and we we go through there. And one of the things I thought was kind of neat. I hit level 10 vampirism, which means I'm no longer a vampire because I got my achievement and I cured myself. That means I can feast on even. Aha. Kinky. This is a family show. Let's not, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> that's that's going to be Tales of Tamarill after dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, hit level 10 vampirism. So now I need to uh, <clears throat> have somebody bite me as a werewolf. So any werewolves out there who want to give me a bite, just let me know. We'll get kinky somewhere. 
kind of furry. All right, so the next thing, after we resolve that, it actually turns out that Sir Hughes of the Vale, Mr. Sir Hughes, was actually the guy who orchestrated the entire assassination attempt and actually managed to assassinate the, the Duke's wife. We, we walk up into the castle, and we, we're just trying to find Sir Hughes, and we walk up to the Duchess's room, and she's laying on the ground, dead, with this gigantic sword just thrusted through her body. Which is just this huge sword, and then we, we mourn, and we're sad. She was a good-looking red guard, too. That was sad. It was sad. Yeah. Yeah, and our husband was, was really upset about it, and it was just it was a sad moment. Yeah, and then he flees, and then we have to track him down and try to find him, and he fled to Firebrand Keep. But on our way over, we actually found a cave called uh, Windridge Cave, and apparently it was kind of neat because there were specters and spirits inside the cave. Um, I guess he was a lion's guard uh, who was he swore to capture a group of bandits known as the three who were kind of like I don't know the mob of of uh, Alkir Castle I guess who had hidden in here and he told his men that if he did not um, if he did not make it back that they were to collapse the cave entrance so that the three couldn't get out well I guess they uh, I guess we asked him like well how'd you die he's like well I starved to death He's like, yeah, because they collapsed the cave. I'm like, I guess they didn't wait for you that long. It's like, okay, we'll collapse it if you don't make it back. He walks in like five minutes later. I don't think he's coming back. Let's let's go ahead and collapse it. You know, it's like, wow, thanks a lot, guys. Don't even give me the benefit of the doubt. Like, wait a little bit. Just just collapse it right away. So anyway, he's dead, and he wants us to carry out his his vengeance using his uh, consecrated sword. It's not really worth a weapon anymore because it's been rusting and rotting for hundreds of years but we do actually get to use it and we find the ancient spirits and uh, trap them there was a story that actually made me i was hoping there was going to be a choice at the end because at the end of the of the quest you're supposed to throw his sword into like molten lava to destroy the sword so they can't get out i thought i was hoping there was going to be a choice because as you're going through this 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 cave you come upon a note written by the three where they are explaining that they did not mean to hurt anybody, that they just could not find any other way to make money. And because they have so much money saved up, that if, if they don't get sent to jail, they swore to share half of all of their loot for a pardon so that they can finally get into like a real business, to turn their lives around now that they have a way to turn their lives around. And if I was them, I think that if they had written formal apologies to all the families of the people that they mistakenly killed, and I got half their loot, I, I might have given them that pardon. So I felt kind of bad having to kill them all. I do remember that. It was. It, it's kind of funny how sometimes they give you options in this game, and sometimes they just don't, even though you really would want to. But yeah. So we did that. Now, we made our way back to Firebrand Keep, and it's kind of neat. One other thing I found was cool was there was a quest outside that we had to do because bandits had stolen tabards of the, uh, Knights, of the Knights of the Flame and were waylaying um, travelers on their way to Rothgar, which if you guys watch the QuakeCon stuff, you, you know that's a new zone coming. 
the road leads right through fire if you look at the map and where the road goes through right through keep leads right to rothgar where orsinium and stuff is so we found the entrance where we'll be going once that zone opens up i'm really excited about it i think that's gonna be really really cool to see um but yeah so we were doing that we were messing around it's kind of neat because you actually have to take you you find an exiled knight he was he was kicked out of the order essentially for disobeying the grandmaster which was uh what's his name it was a french name i don't remember um are you sure you don't remember what his name was i i don't even know what question you're talking about uh the firebrand keep where we had to help them retake it he yeah, was sitting he, outside he wasn't, no, yeah he was oh he wasn't stripped of his title he left because he didn't want to attack the red guards yeah he did but actually because he stood up to him if you talk to him he was actually kicked out and exiled from the keep that's why he left him and the other exiles what you had to do is he wasn't allowed back in the keep you had to go back in and try to recruit more knights for him and once you had enough that's when you launch an assault against the keep i remember that part but anyway good continue yeah so we actually had to take that and that was a lot of fun because you actually had to run around killing different people blowing the horn to signal attacks it was a lot of fun i liked that quest a lot um so I guess right underneath it was Port Dunn Watch was a delve we did. I don't remember that one as much as I remember the one under it. Oh, Bone Snap Ruins. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that one later. But yeah, we did another delve, and that was fun because I love doing the delves. They're a lot of fun in this game, and I'm really excited to see. Uh, we're going to have to go back after 1.4 hits to both Cold Harbor and to... Um, Riften in all those areas because the delves are being extended and made larger. So we're gonna have to go re-exploring. Um, one of the last quests we did was at Steelheart Moorings where we had to free captive crew members and kill uh, slavers. It was kind of neat because um, what the one slaver was actually a Khajiit. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, I like Khajiit. I don't like them. I like Khajiit. Yeah, they're part of the elves, and well, they're and they're they're junkies. They are junkies, and that's why they're part of the elves, because the elves are like the, the nasty dealers who keep giving them drugs. See, now that's just not cool. They, See, they, they all elves probably, are bad. They could probably distance themselves from the drugs if there was no one there to supply them. That's why just all elves just need to need to perish. Yep. All of them. I like the Bosmer. Oh, they make the best barbecue. At... Oh. <laughs> I had to say that. I had to say it. So yeah, that was a fun quest. It, we actually, the guy who we had to help was a guy we helped last week. Um, we had to save his crew again from pirates and stuff like that. Remember, we met him at the lighthouse. They, 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 there's, the one cool part is if you pay attention in this game, quest givers sometimes follow you across the zone. This guy we helped earlier and now we're helping him yet again. And I have a feeling we'll probably help him at least one more time because there's normally always one group of quest givers who follow you across the zone. You know, you just find them. They're like, hey, remember when you helped me like five minutes ago? Yeah, well, I need help again. It's just, that's what happens. <clears throat> now, the final thing we did for this week was we actually got to do a public dungeon called bone snap runes and i took so many screenshots because it was an alien rune underground and there was this one section with like a waterfall falling down uh and over like broken tower it was absolutely gorgeous there were so many pretty 
places to take pictures in there that I, I was doing the same thing. I think we went on it. We got the Conqueror achievement, right? Yes, we did. We, we, we were able to explore the ruins so thoroughly that we found every single silver mob. And, mm -hmm. and we were we were able to kill them together. That's also one of the, the generals that killed us with fire instantly. <laughs> yeah, that was the general who was doing the fire killing. Um, so who were you adventuring with? Just me, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, did we kill everything? Yes. Okay. So apparently all the skill points and crafting didn't hurt that much. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. Like, why would I be with anybody else? Of course, I did all the damage. Oh, sure The only did. reason we won is because of me. Uh-huh. My, my healing staff. Uh-huh. My bursty flames. Uh-huh. Bursty flames. Yep. Okay. No. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that was... Uh, it was a long public dungeon, too. It was as, big. As soon as we walked in, we looked at the map and went, wow, we're going to be here for a while. Yeah, Bone Snap was probably one of the largest public dungeons I think I've ever done. Like, it's huge, which was awesome because I love big pu public dungeons. Because I remember public dungeon. I was actually telling, ironically, I was telling Faze about this right when we walked in. Go, man, I love how big this is. Because I remember the public dungeon concept. Now this was in Dark Age of Camelot before they didn't really have instant story dungeons, um, but everything was a public dungeon. You ran in and you didn't necessarily meet. weren't limited like four people. You could make your groups as you went along, and they were huge. This one was very big and it was kind of neat because you could meet people as you're going through it and. And uh, help out. I like it. So, I guess that's uh, the end of our tales for this week, huh? Yep. All right. We're going to go ahead and move on to our next section, which is our dramatic reading. We are continuing with the book series Divines and Deities. And this week, we are doing actually one of my favorite books, uh, The New Yad, paraphrased. So, have fun with this one, Thais. It's a lot of fun. I like it. I, I like it, too. The Anuvad paraphrased. Early religious book providing a simplified version of the Anuvad creation myth from the, from the mythic era. The first ones were brothers, Anu and Padme. They came into the void and time began. As Anu and Padme wandered the void, the interplay of light and darkness created Nur. Both Anu and Padme were amazed and delighted with her appearance, but she loved Anu and Padme retreated from them in bitterness. Nur became pregnant, but before she gave birth, Padme returned, professing his love for Nur. She told him that she loved only Anu, and Padme beat her in rage. Anu returned, fought Padme, and cast him outside time. Nur gave birth to creation, but died from her injuries soon after. Anu, grieving, hid himself in the sun and slept. Meanwhile, life sprang up on the twelve worlds of creation and flourished. After many ages, Padme was able to return to time. He saw creation and hated it. He swung his sword, shattering the twelve worlds in their alignment. Anu awoke and fought Padme again. The long and furious battle ended with Anu the victor. He cast aside the body of his brother, who he believed was dead, and attempted to save creation by forming the remnants of the twelve worlds into one, Nern, the world of Tamriel. As he was doing so, Padme struck him through the chest with one last blow. Anu grappled with his brother and pulled them both outside of time forever. 
The blood of Padme became the Daedra. The blood of Anu became the stars. The mingled blood of both became the Aedra. Hence their capacity for good and evil, and their greater affinity for earthly affairs than the Daedra, who have no connection to creation. On the world of Nern, all was chaos. The only survivors of the twelve worlds of creation were the Elnufei and the Hist. The Elnufei are the ancestors of Myr and Men. The Hist are the trees of Argonia. Nern originally was all land, with interspersed seas, but no oceans. A large fragment of the Elnufei landed on Nern relatively intact, and the Elnufei living there were the ancestors of Myr. These Elnufei fortified their borders from the chaos outside, hid their pocket of calm, and attempted to live on as before. Other Elnufei arrived on Nern, scattered amid the confused jumble of the shattered worlds, wandering and finding each other over the years. Eventually, the wandering Elnufei found the hidden land of old Elnufei, and were amazed and joyful to find their kin living amid the splendor of ages past. The wandering Elnufei expected to be welcomed into their peaceful realm, but the old Elnufei looked on them as degenerates, fallen from their former glory. For whatever reason, war broke out and raged across the whole of Nern. The old Elnufei retained their ancient power and knowledge, but the wanderers were, were more numerous and toughened by their long struggle to survive on Nern. This war reshaped the face of Nern, sinking much of the land beneath new oceans and leaving the lands as we know them, Tamriel, Akavir, Atmora, and Yukuda. The old Elnufei realm, although ruined, became Tamriel. The remnants of the wanderers were left divided on the other three continents. Over many years, the Elnufei of Tamriel became the Myrrh, the Elves. The Dwemer, or the Deep Ones, sometimes called Dwarves. The Chimer, or the Changed Ones, who later became the Dunmer. The Dunmer, or the Dark or Cursed Ones, became the Dark Elves. The Bosmer, or the green or forest ones, became the wood elves. The Altmer, the elder or high ones, became the high elves. On the other continents, the wandering Elnafei became the men. The Nords of Atmora, the Red Guards of the Yokuda, and the Sayasi of Akavir. The Hist were bystanders in the Elnafei War, but most of their realm was destroyed as the war passed over it. A small corner of it survived to become Black Marsh and Tamriel, but most of the realm was sunk beneath the sea. Eventually, men returned to Tamriel. The Nords were the first, colonizing the northern coast of Tamriel before recorded history, led by the legendary Ysgrimor. The thirteenth of his line, King Harald, was the first to appear in written history, and so the mythic era ended. So how do you feel about most of the hiss being sunk under the ocean? It it grieves me. Does very it? much. I love that book. Even though what's really funny is if you listen to that book versus so many of the other ones, there's so many contradictions because of how it was. Like that was the I guess the you know, that uh the child's version of the creation story. You see it an awful lot um in like if you go into the uh Orphanage in Riften in Skyrim, it's there for the kids to read. It's generally 
deemed like eh, here's a short version of what we think happened but when you look at so many of the others and more in depth um more in depth uh, creation stories a lot of it team seems to be tear here a little bit here a little bit here like the, there's a lot of changes and stuff and that's what i love most about the lore in this game was they write a truth like this is the, like developers know what they want and then they intentionally write misinformation or contradictions are different points of view just like we have here in you know the real world about one singular truth they know there's one truth out there but the truth is veiled because so many people view it differently it's really neat and i love it, it makes the world feel so real i love the lore of elder scrolls so you know that happens all right, so the next thing that we have here is our community spotlight. I'm actually going to copy this and paste it in the chat for people. There we go. So for those who don't know, we have a new community spotlight here. Uh, Tamaril Foundry has a giveaway. And actually, in the pre-show, we were looking at this. Um, they're giving away a Ring of Mara, apparently, from... Peregrine Studios, creators of handcrafted pendants, necklaces, rings, statuettes, and other unique work inspired by folklore, literature, and gaming culture. We looked through some of these. This guy is a fantastic goldsmith. Like, he really is. He he created a Ring of Mara that looks just like the Ring of Mara you get in-game. He also has all the different amulets, Mara, Talos, Akatosh, Kenareth, Arkay, Stendar, Devella, uh, Julianus, and Xenathar. It's really, really neat. He does such a good, good job. So essentially what this contest is, is the owner is giving this away. Um, one of the rings of Mara, or possibly an equivalent valued alternative, maybe one of the uh, pendants or amulets if you desire, based on how much it cost. Uh, I think it cost, let's see here, pull it up here. $74. So if you can find something similar to that in his works, he would probably give it to you there. But essentially what he wants you to do is he wants you to write something on the post on Tamil Foundry about what your favorite piece of magical jewelry from the Elder Scrolls franchise is and why. And as long as you submit your answer by midnight, that's Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, September 14th. So that is next week. So by next Sunday, you will be eligible to win. The winner will be selected via a random number generator from the list of valid respond or, uh, respondents. So, uh, yeah, you should go check it out. You should go and uh, sign up. I mean, it's really easy. Just tell them what your favorite piece of magical jewelry is and why, and uh, you'll get a chance to win. And if you don't win, you should go buy some of this stuff anyway So because it's really, really nice. And I actually already... Uh, wrote something and if i don't win i'm probably gonna buy something anyway because he they are gorgeous absolutely gorgeous and to give you guys kind of a hint of what what they're uh what they're looking for is one guy wrote that he like uh the amulet of kings because akitosh is the only thing powerful enough to kill sean bean again yes i wrote and i'm actually gonna i wrote it all i actually had a fairly big one um, my favorite is the Amulet of Mara, and only because there's a funny story that happened with it. And they used to remember this. When I was playing Skyrim, so I put on an Amulet of Mara. Uh, this was after getting Dawnguard and Hearthfire, which introduced marriage, even though I wasn't really aware of it at the time. 
I put it on because it had nice stats that were useful for my character. So I was wandering around the rift and I came to Shore's Stone. There's an old blacksmith there who offered you a quest to clear out a mine of spiders. So I gladly go slay spiders and make my way out of the mine covered in spider gore and accept my quest reward. I get my septums and I get ready to leave when I notice there's a new line of dialogue. What do you think of me? Having not seen this before and being the type of player that I am, where I talk to everyone and listen to all the dialogue, I wasn't about to skip it. So I clicked uh, clicked it and he goes, I think very highly of you. Such a handsome man, I would gladly spend my life with you and follow you into oblivion and beyond. Whoa, I'm not that kind of Dovahkiin, mister. I didn't want this. So that's how I found out about marriage in the game. By a balding old blacksmith in Shore Stone. Yeah, that's what happened. But yeah, you should definitely check it out and write what your favorite stuff was. Do you remember when that happened? I, I do. That yes. was funny. I liked it. No, no, no. He's kind of sexy. He's bald. Maybe you can rub his bald head for good luck. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, it was. Uh, that's exactly what happened. So you should go out and uh, sign up. Really cool. All right. Uh, we're moving on to our next section, which is our guild corner. Delta, did you have anything you wanted to mention about your guild? No, just we're doing trials now, um, and Brandon's help us doing trials, and essentially we're doing veteran rank dungeons to get people skill points on their mains and whatnot. So if you're into that, I've had a lot of people request and join up. It's been a lot of fun. Excellent. And how would they, uh, if they're interested in joining, how would they get a hold of you? At Deltia Endgame or at Grouchy is my uh, buddy. Excellent. Isn't he also the one who uh, did the narration in your Making Money video? Yeah, he's uh, he's a grouchy old man, but he knows what he's doing. <laughs> nice. And, of course, if anyone's interested in joining the Friends and Family Guild of the Tales of Tamriel podcast, you can contact the Jellos, our tier eater, in-game for an invite. Um, and also, uh, we have a good friend of the show, Kipster, started his own PvE progression guild called the Dragon Guard, and we're currently accepting any VR-ranked characters with serious intention towards endgame PvE content. If you do have an interest, you can contact Kipster in-game. That's K-Y-P-S-T-E-R. All right. It's uh, time for our final thoughts. We actually did have a, an email that I didn't write in here. It's from uh, our friend TES Fangirl, but we'll have to grab it next week. So we'll do that for next week. Because she actually sent me a message right before we were getting ready for the show going, I finally am going to send it to you. And so I got it. I just haven't haven't looked at it yet. So it's time for our final thoughts and let everyone know where they can follow us. So Thais, what are your final thoughts? Awesome show. I loved it. Probably my favorite book so far. Well, I think I say that every week. You do. Do I? I, I do. All right. Well, then we'll... I actually enjoy that book, too. It was a good one. Very much. It was a good book. Um... I can be found in-game at Tear Eater, T-E-A-R-E-A-T-E-R. -E -E Forgot mm -hmm. how to spell it for a moment. <laughs> uh, that's, that's good. That's it. No? No? Okay. okay. All right. And Deltia, how can people find you good, sir? Um, at Deltia's Gaming um, on YouTube, at Deltia in-game, or um, Deltia'sGaming.com for my site. I'd be happy to talk Elder Scrolls or anything with you. So, yeah, hit me up in game. A lot of people have, and it's been a lot of fun. Excellent. And uh, I definitely had a lot of fun with the show. Um, I hate IGN, so that's that. I hope they get eaten by giant spiders. <laughs> yeah, 
I'd be fine with that. I See, wouldn't even help. Them. I I can't even I can't even say I'm okay with that because that's how much I hate them. You know, I want to make a meme from the Witcher. Oh yeah, the the yeah. Witcher thing where he's you know for Witcher three when he goes and kills that guy. Like, what are you doing? Killing monsters, but I'm gonna have the guy's face be like IGN. That's good. Because you know, went to kill. Him. What are you doing? Killing monsters? IGN. Yeah. That should happen. Um, yeah, so I do want to thank everyone, uh, my co-hosts, for joining me this evening. And uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you wish to help support the podcast, you can feel free to donate via the PayPal link on our website, which, as I already said at the beginning of the show, I'm going to do so again. I do want to thank uh, Griffin for his donation. I don't know if he really wants me to say this, but I thought it was awesome I mentioned it. His, uh, his full name is Chris Griffin, like legitly, so family guy reference. It's a fantastic name. I love it. So, but thank you so much for your donation. It does help us maintain the site, you know, servers and all of our all of our fun stuff. If you wish to contact us with questions, comments, criticisms, the website for the show is talesoftamriel.com. Or you can email the show at podcast at talesoftamriel.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at talesoftamriel, Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. Also, feel free to rate and subscribe to us via iTunes and on YouTube at youtube.com slash talesoftamriel. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a great night, everybody.